And so, yeah, I, I started taking it a little bit more seriously and shooting my friends and other artists that were living in Nashville and uh, just kind of snowballed from there. And then when I moved to New York, met a bunch of people through Chris who were willing to pay me to take photos. So now I've kind of like, now I've kind of like made my way into the, the fashion world and like editorial world and all those things. And there's still like a lot more that I want to do, but I'm very thankful that it's become kind of like my main sort of gig right now, which is, which is awesome. It was kind of like unplanned. I just kind of fell into it. I definitely never set out to be a photographer, but here I am. <laughs> That's the music, music was always the first love. And then, yeah, this kind of stuff came out. Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats, presented by Desire, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. Kobe Arner is a photographer, videographer, and musician. Kobe is the drummer of Rebounder, the producer and beats behind his solo project, Casual Ties, and takes photos for brands such as Corridor, Dime Piece, and How Long Gone. I've seen Rebounder a few times off the How Long Gone tour and not on a podcast tour. Great drummer. Kobe's photos are beautiful. He has shot a few friends of mine, no enemies. Kobe has made a photo book entitled I'm Not Tired, Just Exhausted, which I feel like everyone in New York City can relate. Please welcome <laughs> Kobe Arner. <laughs> I love that intro, dude. Thank you so much. I didn't I didn't realize you had been to some rebounder shows as well. That's very cool. I used to be that guy that would talk to the band after the shows would be done and be like, yeah, it's good. But with you guys, I was just like, you know what? I'm hanging out. Yeah, yeah. We're going to save this for another time. We'll we'll meet eventually. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny, dude. So- my, my father came with me to the How Long Gone Rebounder show in Philly because that's where I'm from, Philadelphia. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were, yeah, we were chatting about that the other day. Yeah, and it was his birthday, so I brought him to the show, and he was like, I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. It was like, it was like, those, those shows, I feel like everyone was like, just very confused as to like, what was going on, because (laughs) I don't know about you, but I've never been like, a live podcast. Like, we didn't really know what to expect, but obviously, like, Chris is a friend, and um, we were happy to be on those shows with them. We played I think three or four dates with them in like the northeast but the Philly show was really funny that venue was really cool and like I don't know it was funny like I um I was actually in Atlanta when they did their first show of that tour because I was just like visiting family down there I'm from there and so Chris was just like oh yeah pull up and like come like run merch for us and so I pulled up and I saw the first I saw the first show and I was like oh this is actually like pretty funny and like I don't know that that venue was like all seated and like whatever it was cool and then um I was running merch in the back and all of a sudden it turned into like this weird like meet and greet for me which I like wasn't expecting (laughs) at all (laughs) like all of these all of these people kept coming up and being like yo like love the band dude like oh love your photos like all of this stuff and I was like dude I'm literally just here to run merch I didn't think I was gonna like know anybody or like have any connection to anyone here so that was really cool but anyway that's insane um, that's shout out hilarious yeah, shout out, shout out, Chris and and those guys. That's cool. You were at the Philly show. Shout out Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great that you were running merch in mm-hmm. Atlanta. How long gone? It's just, it's just so funny. So, wait, I'm just like, I'm like pedaling backwards right now because yeah. of the fact that. Let's do ha- back up. Yeah. So you're. you're... <laughs> So you're from Atlanta and yeah, yeah. Oh, what I wanted to say was that mm-hmm. you guys are definitely the first to ever do a band podcast live show. 
in the it's it's like the funniest situation because like i was telling my dad totally. that I, I was like mm -hmm. what you're about to see is actually quote unquote history in this like weird <laughs> culture of ours because my dad's like what's new what's going on you know yeah I'm like yeah. in the philly show there were so many like new york heads too and i was like yeah dad, this show is like we we need to get we we need to get you out of here actually and then <laughs> and then i we like <laughs> we have to go but no no it was it was really cool to see all that yeah so you're from atlanta and yes. i'm guessing all those fans that came up to see you they know you from like rebounder and or are they also friends of yours in the past no no i think it was just like being like like Chris adjacent, I feel like you end up just kind of like garnering this like weird, not weird. It's just like, you know, a following of people who like, like the same things as right. you. And so, um, yeah, it was really interesting. I like didn't expect to see anyone I knew there. I was just kind of like pulling up to like say what's up to Chris and Jason and what's up, whatever. But, um, it was interesting, like how, how many people like felt like connected to like, my world and what I do. And we're just showing so much love and being um, just like very kind. And it was, I don't know, it just felt like I was, it was one of those moments where I felt like I was supposed to be there. And like, I kind of maybe needed that, that moment of like encouragement or something like that. Or just <laughs> like, I don't know, it went when you don't have um, maybe like a face to the name or you've never actually like met these people in person, they can feel kind of like, oh, that's not real. That like lives in the cloud or whatever. It's just like, it's, non-existent but mm. when you when you put a face to the name and then there's all these people being complimentary of your work or whatever just saying like oh hey i really love this i bought your book or i bought your t-shirt whatever i feel like that makes it feel like you're making a difference i guess mm. i think that's that's what i got out of that experience was like oh i'm not just like posting photos like into the void like i thought it was you know right. or i'm not i'm not just like or like you know, no one's listening to the band. Well, actually, like, yeah, a lot, a lot of people are listening to the band. And so I feel like it kind of takes those, those real life experiences of people just like being, feeling, feeling the freedom to like come up to you and be like, Hey, I actually like really love your work. I really love X, Y, Z. That makes it feel like, gives you a reason to keep going or keep right. doing it. I don't know. Sometimes you need that, that real life connection to feel like you're, you're actually doing something. Definitely, so, definitely, 100%. Yeah. And it's cool that Alana, yeah. you and and Chris bring up Alana a lot. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it feels like this like Alana, New York adjacent type of situation that like Alana has all these, it's not up and coming by any means. It's like Alana's sure. got its like own, own space. I just wish, so my sister lives in Alana. And okay, cool. I wish she like invited me to Alana to come like, hang out. <laughs> Because I've never been to Atlanta, and I know that go. it's yeah, I gotta go definitely for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. You grew up in Atlanta. How was that like? Yeah, so I I grew up like forty five minutes north of Atlanta, and so it wasn't really until like high school when me and all my friends got our driver's license or permits or whatever that we really started spending more time in the city. Like you know, weekends, Saturdays, and Sundays, we'd go to like West Side and hang out over there. Go to like the High Museum. We would eat at like you know Ford a Ford Fry restaurant, who's like a big restaurant tour down there. But um, anyway, I think it um, when you're in the suburbs, and I was also just like very online as like a high schooler, and so I got into all of these like brands and stores and like personalities that were kind of that um, menswear adjacent kind of world. And mm -hmm. so um, all that to say like when you're in the suburbs, you kind of have to seek out the cool stuff. It's not immediately available. Like, right. like some of my friends who grew up in like New York, they kind of just like were brought up in this world and it's, it's just kind of part of who they are. Whereas like, I feel like I had to, to seek it out, seek out the cool stuff, the culture, whatever you want to call it. But um, I feel like Atlanta was actually a really good city to do that in and kind of find my like little pockets of like oh I actually really love this I really love this and the high museum I remember going when I was like probably 15 or 16 and seeing like their contemporary art exhibit for the first time being nice. you know blown away by Gerhard Richter and like Ellsworth Kelly and like all that stuff and I feel like that was really important um for me to see at that time because in a way it I feel like influenced my 
photography because I saw someone taking, in, in the case of Ellsworth Kelly, I saw someone taking these like very simple ideas, these simple shapes and colors, you know, mm. but he would, he would use the colors and then the shapes to essentially make the entire wall, like the canvas, because all of his shapes are like, you know, cut out or whatever. Oh, um, cool. So anyway, that, that kind of like simplistic approach, that minimalist approach, I feel like really informed my own style early on. And then along with that, I had like, like Stephen Allen had a store there at, at one time. I don't think it's there anymore, but um, going and seeing all of it. It's pro- it probably is not. They probably <laughs> they probably raised the rent and they had to move them out of there. My friend actually works at that brand now, which is really funny, kind of a full circle moment. But going there and seeing like all of these brands that I would see online that people were wearing in like New York or something like that. Like they had like engineered garments and acting studios, like all of these brands that I never got to see in person. I was like, oh wait, this is like real and this is cool. This is like aspirational for me. Like, I don't think I ever bought anything other than probably like a pair of like socks or like a shirt or something like that. But it was just cool. It was just cool to be like around that stuff and and see it. And um, I don't know, I feel like that kind of informed like, okay, you obviously have like an interest in this stuff. And I was starting to get into like photography more. And also like, I mean, the music scene down there was cool too. I never really played in bands when I was living in Atlanta, but I played I like a lot of like churches and stuff down there. Cause there's just like this huge, like church musician circuit down there. Cause there's so many of those like mega churches with like, mm. you know, high production value and all of those things. But so you're a man of God. Yeah, I think so. I, I've been raised in it. And so I've always kind of had it as part of my identity. It's kind of interesting now. Um, I don't know when you, when you leave um, home for the first time and set out on your own, I feel like it really starts to become real. And so you kind of have to like figure out what that means to you. So now you sin. Now, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you leave your parents' house and you start to sin. Exactly. But I don't know. I feel like that's an ongoing journey. And I feel like there are a lot of people in my life who, I don't know, are, are spiritual leaders in different ways. And um, Hillsong I feel adjacent. like not, not Hillsong adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, dude, like that, that world, like it definitely taught me a lot about like being a musician, being like a hired gun. Um but in terms of creativity, it's like pretty stifling, right. I would say. Did you play drums um, for the church? Yeah, yeah. So I played drums in like a bunch of churches down there. No that's way. Kind of how, how I started playing um, like with other people. And so eventually I started playing in bands in Nashville when I moved there or kind of before I moved there because um, my brother went to college there. That kind of showed me like how much fun playing in clubs and being in bands and kind of having ownership of the thing and writing music and all of that, how important that can be. So that's wild that the church probably was like no crashes, no crashes, just, just light taps. Then you some V drums, some electronic V drums. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. From Atlanta (laughs) to Nashville, Nashville, you, you were able to like, it allowed you to be more creative with your drumming <laughs> in the clubs and whatnot. And then you come to New York yeah. and you're like, I'm free. Yeah, dude. I think, I think that's what I was looking for all along was like a sense of like genuine artistry from the people that I was playing with. And I found that I feel like for a second in Nashville, but eventually just kind of had or developed this, this kind of like weird relationship to music where I was again, in kind of that like hired gun um, position and didn't feel like I had like ownership of the thing and didn't feel like, um, I don't know, I was just like tired of being attached to someone else's thing or like, I don't know, an asset to someone else, I guess. And so that was part of my reasoning for, for moving to New York is like, I was kind of searching for that that sense of artistry and like New York seemed like gritty and just like cool. And I don't know, I, I moved here and then within two months I met my band and then it was kind of like off to the races. So it's cool to have been searching for that and then found it here. I think that's, it's really cool. And it's kind of helped me fall in love with music again. So that's cool too. <laughs> it happens when you do that trajectory of 
everything you just said like for me i'm from philadelphia and so mm -hmm. in philly i also did seek out all these brands and and, mm -hmm. and clothing styles and whatnot but yes i could not afford any of these pieces yeah i would buy socks and whatnot and i also totally. played guitar in philadelphia as well joined okay. some here and there small bands but then you kind of want to evolve you kind of yeah. want to move on to the next step and see what's what's new out there and then <laughs> next you're you're trying to level up and then you come to new york and here you are but it's it also takes yeah. takes some time as well i'm definitely glad that i had a background in both like playing in bands and then also playing in church because i think it was like two very separate like educational experiences um and being a hired gun versus like being part of like a unit that like works together and like everyone's opinion matters and counts and all of those things so did the church um, have money to blow i mean of course right yeah 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 that was like my job in high school was just like playing drums which was really cool i think early on it also taught me that like that is like a viable career option <laughs> and so <laughs> and like when when you're when you're you know, 16, 17, 18, and you're already making music and you're already making money making music, I think it it just makes it all feel more possible mm -hmm. and like probable for you to actually have um, a career doing what you love and specifically in music. Um, so I think that was that was good for me early on to, to learn that. And then taking that to being in a band, I feel like it's more of like a labor of love for sure. And it like, you have to build the thing from the ground up, which is really hard. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, I think long term, um, yeah, I think long term it like it, it helps you um, keep like chasing that like reward of like getting the record deal, or you know doing really well on streaming, or you know whatever whatever that thing is. It's like okay, this is actually possible. I have friends who are also in music who are who are making a living doing this. Um, are you a self-taught drummer? Uh, no, I took private lessons from like sixth to eighth grade, I think. So in like middle school, which I feel like was very important for my my young brain to be learning a lot at like a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. um, when I was young, I feel like I've like retained a lot of that information as well. And so going straight from like okay, taking private lessons to then, um, you know, playing with other people in like churches and in bands and stuff. That was like a really solid progression because it was never just like my thing that I did. And even my, my brother growing up played guitar, he's a few years older than me, but we really kind of like motivated one another to get better. And so we could like jam with each other in the basement, like that kind of thing. Did you ever play in like the jazz band? or any high school bands? No, so I didn't really go to real high school. I did online school for my last three years of high school because at that point I had showed an interest in in playing music and, and shoplifting. <laughs> 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 they had to kick me out. They sent me to, I think it was called like Piedmont or something like that. It was like to school for the bad kids. But no, nice. it was very, very much the opposite for me. My parents like were very trusting and were like, hey, we know you want to do music. We want you to have more time to like do that. And so there's this program where you can like do online school and that will leave you more time to like practice and also like make money and travel and like do all, all of these things. So I'm very thankful to them for, for giving me that opportunity and, and being trusting because I don't know if I would let my, my 16 year old child, this is hypothetical. I don't have a 16 year old child. <laughs> um, my, my six year old child, uh, uh, set out on their own at such an early age. But I, I think that was really important to kind of like take on that responsibility early on and realize like, oh, if I want to like really take this somewhere, I'm, I've already been given the tools, the opportunities are coming. All I have to do is kind of say yes and, you mm -hmm. know, make that make that kind of like leap of faith. So anyway, all that to say, I did not play in jazz. <laughs> no, no, which is really <laughs> cool that your parents did that because that's very freeing. You know, it's yeah, really like allowing, whereas some parents are pretty sheltered and want to just like stay on course of like the whole career. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think because 
I think just from an early age, my, my parents could see what I had an interest in and what was, mm. what was possible for me. And also like, I think if I had been like a deadbeat, like straight F student or something like that, it probably would have been so, like a different, a different situation, but I was still making good grades. I was like getting my work done and, and all of those things, but they were just like, we don't want you to like waste your time because now's the time when you should be out. Just like, I don't know, starting to experience real life. So, um, I, uh, I'm definitely thankful that I got like an early start in kind of like living real life, quote unquote. So. <laughs> <laughs> real life begins in Atlanta. Real life begins in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, and then my, um, my brother was going to school in Nashville for music. And so I started taking trips up there just to, like visit him on the weekends. Cause it's only, you know, a four hour difference between the two cities, but I very quickly kind of clicked up with my, old bandmates who were going to school with him they were in the same grade as him i believe anyway so they they had started a project my friend toby and he had started writing some songs and was also in the like songwriting program there at the school they went to in nashville and he was like hey i have this like ep coming out that we've recorded but i need like a live drummer would you want to would you want to play drums with us and so that was kind of my first first time playing with like a band with like original songs um, and that was really cool as like a, as like a 16 year old going up to Nashville and playing gigs on the weekends, then coming back and like doing schoolwork during the week, like on my computer, like it was, it was cool to have also the trust of like kids that were five years older than me being like, yes, we want you to like play these songs with us and we're going to somehow get you into the venue and like order to play. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know that, um, that was really, uh, reaffirming, I guess, as a, as a young kid being like, oh. If these if these kids think I can do it and they're a few years older than me and um, are are trusting me with their songs too, you know that's another thing. It's like they I have to do a good job. I have to show up and not not just play the songs, but I have to do a good job playing them. So, but anyway, I think I think early on, like getting to play some of those those shows in Nashville with um, some bands that are still you know very good friends of mine that have gone on to do great things. I think that was that was another kind of foundational moment for me so when you're a kid you always want to hang out with the older kids yeah yeah totally I think I I think I saw the opportunity to have like a mentor and kind of if I want to if I want to be here in x amount of years I'm going to hang out with the people that are already there right I guess so I, I don't know I think I think I've always been one to kind of like attach to like maybe people that are a little bit further down the road so I can kind of learn from from their mistakes and their um successes so <laughs> and not be like an alcoholic <laughs> and not be an alcoholic totally you gotta you gotta keep it together this music stuff is hard dude it's a it's a grind also just like working for yourself and 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 you know trying to navigate your way through being either freelancer or whatever you want to call it it's a difficult path and so i think the fewer obstacles you have the better <laughs> if you ask me if you ask me as as someone who's like you know done bouts of just like total sobriety and just like really having to like lock in and like figure out uh, my life I feel like that's really helped me it's just like let's just like negate all of these like obstacles we don't need to implement any other hardships into our life like this, <laughs> this is this is already hard enough as it is so anyway when you get nervous on stage, do you have any like pre-show rituals or do you just I don't get nervous. No, oh nice. <laughs> um I I try to do like warm-ups now. Playing drums is a very physical activity. And so recently me and my buddy, who's also a drummer, he's gotten really into like fitness and personal training and also just like wellness overall. Um and so um, he introduced me to this guy, Dave Elich, who um, is a really great, uh, he's a drummer. He plays for like Miley Cyrus. He's filled in on dates with like 1975 and just like a big studio guy out in, out in Los Angeles. But um, he introduced me to the, to the, like, I guess, lessons, teachings of this guy, Dave Elich. Um, and he's basically taught a lot of um, professional drummers how to 
play drums better. <laughs> and so, but his, his approach is, is very like wellness based. It's very like, you need to stretch for 10 minutes. You need to like work up a sweat before you even sit down to play drums essentially and warming up and just like the technical side of it. And like your posture when you're sitting at the drum set, like all of those things, he kind of covers all of that. So I think since being introduced to that, I've had a little bit different approach to playing and treating, treating it more like a, um, a physical activity. Like I'm about to like go work out. Cause you really are, you're, you're working so many different little muscles and tendons and all of those things. And so I think if I can, if I can stretch and like do some jumping jacks and some push ups, and then maybe even just some like deep breaths in and out, like I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. So I try to do that as much as I can before shows. So drumming is your gains. Is my gains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, no, along with that, I feel like you, you also have to like train. You right. can't just sit down at a drum set and expect to be like, you know, play a perfect show for an hour. You know, you have to, you have to put in the work on the front end. So yeah, I got, I got a gym membership probably two or three years ago and, and kind of never looked back. So um, there's certain, there's certain muscle groups, like I was saying with like having good posture and like sitting up at the drums and whatever, not messing up like your spine and stuff like that. Right. Like that's, you have to build up those, those, those muscles for when you're playing. So, so it doesn't feel so hard and you can hopefully expend less energy than you otherwise would be if you were just like a little twig, you know? Right. Oh, of course. <laughs> so your buddy has like a whole Cali sober diet. Yeah, no, totally. I think, I think Ritual. you really just, you, you realize how hard it is to just, to just play play drums mm -hmm. night in and night out and granted like he does a lot more like extensive touring than I do so he definitely has to be a lot more regimented but mm -hmm. I try to implement as much of that as I can um because the goal ayahuasca. is obviously yeah ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> no no plant medicine not we're not there yet we are we are taking our our supplements though you gotta take those and I don't know just like along with that eating healthy and and trying to just like move every day and not overdo it on the caffeine and drink plenty of water. All of those things. We can go deep on wellness if you want. <laughs> Let's go. I'm always Let's down go. for for wellness talk. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite things. Dude, it's important. It really is important. Mm -hmm. Supplements and everything. <laughs> the sun, for sure. What gym do you belong to in New York? Oh man. So when I was when I was roughing it out in bed I was going to blink. Um, Let's go. And then uh, after after the novel coronavirus hit, um, I wasn't doing any sort of gym membership. I think I left blank and was just doing like, you know, hit exercises at home, like Peloton app kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, just like body weight exercises. And then moved to Man it moved into Manhattan last year and was like, I'm going to get an Equinox membership because oh. <laughs> I, I live in Manhattan. And so <laughs> I, um, I, uh, I'm not going to dox myself, but I do go to, to one, one, one of the Equinox locations. Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like terrified. Like I go to one that's like not in my neighborhood specifically right. so that I don't see anyone I know it's because for for some reason, I'm just like terrified of someone seeing me and like my my like tights and like my New Balance, like the full getup. Yeah. So uh, I try to I try to stay stay out of the uh, you know my neighborhood when <laughs> when I'm going to the gym. But um, yeah, I think it's been it's been really good. I wanted to get um, a membership where I could get all of the you know nice amenities and stuff with the the steam room, the shower, the mm -hmm. keels keel soap. Um, <laughs> If not Can't only so that the keels, the keels, dude, the keels is important. Um, uh, but if not only for the sake of like guilting myself into going, like paying so much money to go to the gym, like I feel bad when I don't go. So I've been, I've been pretty consistent with it, which I'm, I'm happy about, but dude, yeah, if I can, if I can work out and eat like a good meal, um, and drink some water every day, that's usually a pretty good base, base level. So you said that you used to live in Brooklyn, which was mm -hmm. Bed-Stuy, and that's, I guess, mm -hmm. the first uh, neighborhood you moved to in the city mm -hmm. in New mm -hmm. York, and then you moved to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the transition that people do. Yeah, I think it was just the most natural progression for me. I think now, even just like less than a year into it, 
I feel like my whole life is kind of like set up here now and going to Brooklyn feels very uh, inconvenient <laughs> at this point. And so it's nice to just be able to, to walk around and go drop off film like two blocks up the street or like hop on a city bike. And um, our studio um, that Rebounder has is in Greenpoint. And so I end up having to kind of make the trek every week or two to go out there to rehearse. But um, I'm pretty happy. Track. Make the track. Make the track. I I I live in bed. Greenpoint is impossible to get to. It is. I mean, sometimes, but I I go into the city every day, which is kind of bizarre. Nice. That's good for you. That's that's my my fitness. I feel like if you don't, you get kind of lazy. You know, you get too comfy. You got the square footage in Brooklyn. You're like, maybe I'll get a TV and like a PS5 just kind of post up out here i'll get the peloton bike you know damn no gamers <laughs> no gamers you're not a gamer i'm not a gamer but i respect the gamers though <laughs> but i'm not a gamer <laughs> i used to be again since moving into manhattan i feel like i'm definitely the the ps3 i think is what i have has collected some dust it's underneath oh, the couch of course. now so of course. <laughs> so how did you get into photography did were you self-taught in Atlanta? Um, yeah, uh, I think just like growing up in skateboarding, you would just like take photos and videos of your friends doing tricks and you'd build ramps and then spend the day just like videoing each other, jumping off of it. So I feel like that as kind of like a background, I was always interested in it. And then through that, you kind of get into, um, I don't know, like Transworld Magazine, Skateboarding Magazine and Thrasher, like all of those, you start to see ads and um, interviews and stuff with these these skateboarders that you look up to and you're like oh it would be cool to like do this and, and take these photos or whatever and so and then getting into um into high school um with the kind of rise of the menswear kind of like fashion era um i was very logged on because i was doing online school so mm. any moment that i wasn't that I wasn't working on my Spanish homework. You know, I was on oh, like need supply. Uh, yeah, Espanol. <laughs> I was on like need supply or like jound or like something like that, you know? And so I feel like that also really informed um, my my practice of, of photography. And so, yeah, I think I got a digital camera in high school and in DSLR, started taking photos of just like, either travel or just like my friends like wearing cool clothes or something like mm -hmm. that and then um flash forward to when i was living in nashville um started touring more extensively and so i was like oh i'm gonna buy like a little like film camera at um goodwill and just like buy some film before we head out on tour so i can just like be taking photos the whole time and i think i got i got like a um uh olympus af1 is like a really great camera it's just like a brick but mm -hmm. the um the lens on it is actually really really crisp and so i got that for like five dollars at a goodwill in tennessee and then we we headed out on tour i probably shot you know whatever like 10 rolls over the course of like a few months got it developed at the very end of it and i was like oh this is what i should have been doing the whole time i feel right. like that kind of kind of changed my my path my course in, in terms of, of photography. And I was also dating a photographer in New York at the time. And so I would be on set with her and I was like, oh, I could see myself doing this. And so, yeah, I, I started taking it a little bit more seriously and shooting my friends and other artists that were living in Nashville and uh, just kind of snowballed from there. And then when I moved to New York, met a bunch of people through Chris who were willing to pay me to take photos. So now I've kind of like, now I've kind of like made my way into the, the fashion world and like editorial world and all those things. And there's still like a lot more that I want to do, but I'm very thankful that it's become kind of like my main sort of gig right mm -hmm. now, which is, which is awesome. It was kind of like unplanned. I just kind of fell into it. I definitely never set out to be a photographer, but here I am. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Music, music was always the first love. And then, yeah, this kind of just like came out of nowhere. So that's wonderful all the photos yeah. that you take are beautiful oh thanks man are they all mostly film yeah for the most part um it's funny i was actually chatting with a 
a photographer friend last night and it's 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 funny how these brands will hit you up and be like hey we love your work and like they'll send you the deck and there'll be like a bunch of photos from my website or instagram whatever it'll be like all film and then they'll be like can you shoot digital <laughs> i was like it's always just a bummer having that happen because they'll like it'll look great they'll slap a filter on it whatever it's fine but um it's funny how you know a lot of my favorite work and a lot of the work that other people like and hire me for is film but then at the end of the day they just want you to shoot digital, digital. <laughs> so, not if there's anything wrong with that it's pushing me to get better at that too so um but yeah dude i don't know i think i think film is the look that i'm that i'm going for you don't have to do a lot of like post processing any That's of that the best part it kind of just like looks how I how I see it in my mind before I take the photo. So I kind of have to stick to that. I feel like just for style, stylistic sake. But um, yeah, I uh, I definitely spent a lot of money on film. Oh, which is, of course. It's of course. Uh, a, a burden sometimes, <laughs> but here we are. Thanks to the bank, but it turns yeah. out wonderful for sure. Yeah exactly so with gear talk mm -hmm. what do you shoot with um the first film camera that i got was that olympus um which i still that original one like broke and i had to throw it in the trash but i got another one and then i have a um a contacts t2 and then i got contacts g1 as well that i shoot with and then just like a canon 60 that's kind of the, the lineup and then i have this like old VHS camera. I'm not even sure where it is, like a Panasonic or something like that, that I like to shoot with and then like pull stills from that. So that's kind of the the gear rundown. I'm not really a gearhead. I just kind of found what works for me right. and kind of kept kept it moving. So eventually, I think I'll have more money to invest in all of that stuff and start shooting like medium format and not and all that good stuff. But for the moment, I'm I'm really happy with my my contacts cameras. They're really great very versatile they work made in japan sturdy you know all of those things i know but i shoot with them <laughs> as well so i totally understand you shoot as well hell yeah what uh what models do you have which ones do you have i just have the contacts t2 contacts t3 oh nice shoot with a bunch of polaroid cameras right now oh yeah, yeah. i am trying to get back into the medium format world but right now yeah I'm, i don't consider myself a photographer so I don't what do you like, consider yourself? <laughs> I, I just consider myself a... Uh, a creative? Ew, absolutely not. <laughs> just like a sidelines type of guy, you know? A freelancer? Um, <laughs> that's cool. An that's admirer cool. of the arts. And I love that. That's really, really cool. So that you just fell into it, which a lot of people do, honestly, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Of any type um, of career. Yeah, or any yeah, type yeah. Of work. I think... I think Totally, totally. And I think once once you have an interest in something and you choose to work mm -hmm. towards making better work or whatever it is, and then you're dropped into a place like New York, I feel like it pushes you even harder because there is so much competition and not even, I don't know if it's competition, but there's so many other people doing the exact same thing as you. And so you really have to like work hard to like carve out your lane and figure out, figure out what it is you're, you're good at. What's your like unique quality, you know? And so I definitely feel like being pretty new to photo and then moving here pushed me even harder to just like figure it out. And so far I'm like, I'm like pretty happy with where it's going. Like I said earlier, there's still like so much I feel like I want to accomplish and even move towards more of like a fine art kind of practice as well just because all of my favorites are fine art photographers. Maybe mm. they used to shoot for fashion magazines and stuff, but now they're just kind of like doing their, their big solo shows and exhibitions and stuff like that. And I think there's something uh, attractive about that to me. So. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. I did see the We Pasted campaigns and billboard photos that you shot for Valence. That, that was really cool. Oh yeah. So the thing with that is I was paid to take photos of the billboards. Mm -hmm. Those were actually my photos. So they like the, the campaign photos were not mine. 
oh, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. That was that was me posting like, oh, I took a photo of this billboard. Interesting. So have I you feel ever... like I feel like I feel like there was some confusion around that. I'm not trying to take credit for someone else's work. Those photos were lit though. They were great. Have you ever <laughs> had a photo as a billboard or Oh, we pasted I poster. I don't think so, unless someone didn't tell me about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, no, we're not there yet. We we haven't shot the big Celine campaign yet, so not yet. We're we're working towards that though. Yeah, most of what I shoot is actually like more like social and like web content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, which is cool. You get to meet a lot of cool people that way. So when you were talking about back in Atlanta shooting mm-hmm. digital, just like fucking around and then mm-hmm. introducing, finding a film camera. I totally know that mm-hmm. whole grind where when I was a kid, actually my first shots were all on Polaroid and I was sick, poor as shit. So I was like, <laughs> dude, this is impossible to keep shooting Polaroid, but I fell in love with film. So all I shot with was a Polaroid camera um, the 600 film, but I also switched to like a disposable camera, but yeah, it, it's only because of the fact that like, where was I ever going to get anything developed? Cause I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I didn't have that knowledge of like sending film out or whatnot. Of course not. Of course not. I didn't learn that until like last year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, I feel like, I feel like the things like, like Polaroid and, and even having just like a DSLR, like Canon rebel, whatever that, that ends up being kind of a gateway to something else. And even with the disposable cameras, like I remember, you know, during summer break, like getting one of those at Walgreens, like mm-hmm. shooting my friends playing tennis and then like getting it developed at that same Walgreens mm-hmm. and like the photos were ready in an hour. And I would get like, um, I would get like the, the prints because I didn't know that you could get like a file mm-hmm. of like the photos. Right. So I would just, I would just like have the, have the like prints and then just like take photos of those with my iPhone. <laughs> like didn't know how right. this how this stuff worked yet so exactly anyway but but that stuff that stuff i'm i'm glad that kind of like there's a there's a resurgence of of like the disposable thing mm. and like polaroids i feel like all of that stuff is is such a gateway to then you know diving deeper in, into that world so mm-hmm. also, i can definitely you, identify with you on that you shooting your like prints as like a mm-hmm. kid Mm-hmm. you know it's all a learning curve like mm-hmm. you just needed to do that you needed to know because like yeah. in time it'll just it'll just like come to you or like someone will tell you like you know you could just get a usb <laughs> <laughs> yeah no one ever told me that though right that was the other thing is like i wasn't i wasn't it's all discovery. Um, it's all discovery and i think while while music was this thing that I really loved, and I had like a community of people who like loved music around me and played music, and that was more of like we could, you know, take each other under each other's wing and like kind of teach each other stuff and mm-hmm. and share that experience. Photography was a totally like separate thing right. where I was kind of like finding it and and honing it on my own, and so a lot of it was like self discovery or just like doing google searches on like how how this stuff worked and then eventually you know i I met people who could kind of like teach me how that world works but i feel like early on it was very much just like my thing and like Mm -hmm. it was something that my parents didn't really um know about because they they do like my dad has like a background in music but um he when i found photography i feel like that was the first time i like had my like own like thing and i feel like maybe that's what kind of helped me run with it was that it felt very specific to me so exactly exactly and speaking of shooting your friends playing tennis the palm society Mm -hmm. oh yeah shot of how long gone looked phenomenal oh thanks dude that was really fun we were we were finishing up our um our tour out there my band rebounder and we were we were in la just for like a couple days after the end of the tour and so chris is living out there right now so he hit me up and we shot those photos out in, in Glendale, but I really like the uh, the Palm Society guys. They're they're very sweet. They sent me a little care package nice. after the fact. So so shout out to those guys. They have really great sweatpants. If you're in the if you're in the market, I don't wear them out. Well, I, I might wear them to the gym or something, but um, 
really great sweatpants if you're looking for for a lounge a lounge pant <laughs> how do you feel about wearing sweatpants out in public um i try not to do it i really try not to do it like i said if i'm going to the gym i might rock them in which case i'm going in the opposite direction of anyone that i know <laughs> and might run into but generally i think i think I'd, i try to wear try to wear a fit anytime i'm leaving the house you, and you, you know what it is i had this moment last summer i was walking on uh it was like delancey or something like that and i saw sophia coppola and her husband thomas mars from the band phoenix mm-hmm. who's who's indie rock royalty um, and he was it was the middle of summer and it was probably like 90 95 degrees something like that sun is beating down and he was fully kitted out in like the apc jeans boots like buttoned up like fully committed to the bit and i was like that's that's the blueprint like that's what you need to do you need to like stay committed to the thing he doesn't take that off that's not something he just turns off you wouldn't see him bumming around soho in some shorts you know and so i was like all right i gotta i gotta step up my game no shorts indie sleeves forever <laughs> indie sleeves something like that i don't know about indie sleeves but definitely definitely apc needs forever it's back and apparently <laughs> phoenix is too so yeah dude oh man they're 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 a, a legendary band they're a legacy band i love their music i was listening to them the other day <laughs> wow so how did you link up with rebounder yeah so i was um I was shooting another a... New York City legendary indie <laughs> sleaze band. Indie of... rock, indie <laughs> sleaze band. Yes, get get a rebounder on Gossip Girl 2022. <laughs> um, no, I was I was new to New York and I was shooting an event for Chris. He had done a um, it was like a book release or like a zine release for Fantastic men i think is what it was called because fantastic man is the magazine right fantastic yeah. man so so fantastic man uh and we did it at he's doing the the launch at gem the restaurant on the lower east side and uh <laughs> anyway chris very asked, in the scene i love it oh it's, it's, it's way too deep yeah it's so <laughs> stupid um and so whatever we're shooting this event for for chris and um he introduced yeah. me to these two, two brothers. Sorry, go ahead. What were you and say? that's where you, how you were introduced to Elliot. The, oh yeah, yeah, totally. Wait, did he reference that on the other episode? No, it's no, just okay. uh, <laughs> it's known. It's lore. <laughs> it's, it's just I feel like the whole pipeline is there. You know, mm-hmm. the whole you working at Gem. No, that's Elliot so Foo's working at Gem. It's just like, this whole <laughs> connection pipeline that goes down. <laughs> That's so true. And so anyway, I was shooting this event for uh, Chris. Chris introduced me to Noah and Dylan. Um, he was like, oh, you guys all make music. You guys should hang out. Noah and, and Dylan then... from The Help? No. God, thank God. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let it be known. Noah Noah Chenfeld and Dylan Chenfeld, not Noah Dylan from The Help. Thank Shout God. Shout out The Help. <laughs> um i was gonna be like this is just we need to stop this podcast right now. <laughs> dude fun fact the first time i met chandler from the help uh we were carrying my girlfriend up the stairs because she had passed out from the vaccine and she had face planted into her dinner at servos outside while she was dining with chandler and uh we had to carry her back to her apartment two blocks away so shout out Chandler. Thanks for helping save Claire, <laughs> helping save Claire's life. That was a big moment. I feel like that was a real bonding moment. And you know what we were talking about while we were carrying up the stairs? APC jeans. So full circle. Full circle. Um, APC <laughs> needs to sponsor you. Needs to sponsor me. Um, I'm really trying to get that sponsorship. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, Chris introduced me to Noah and Dylan. We started chatting. I started playing for Noah's solo project first. We played a few shows and I think that kind of in hindsight I was like oh that was kind of like my audition mm-hmm. and and once Dylan had come to a few shows he was like all right you're you're you make the cut for for rebounder so anyway that's uh that's how that kind of all started and now we've been in a band together for it's been like two or three years now so anyway very uh very thankful for them they've 
it kind of taken me in. They were, you know, born and raised here. And so I feel like if you have those, those native friends, they can really change your outlook on the city and just kind of give you those um, hacks to living here. And so Dylan and Noah have both, both kind of served as my, my New York city mentors and friends and peers and bandmates. So it's, it's endless love for them. So it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, New York city moment for sure. Yeah. hundred <laughs> I was listening to casual ties mm. before our episode and it was very soothing as well as an added kick to my coffee. Um, Let's very, go. You know, it's like this like chill way, Taiko caribou moment. Ooh. Wow, that's good. high praise. That's high praise. Thank that's you good. so much. Really I um, good. it's thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate that. It's funny when I um, when I first started making music for that project, I was like, my goal was like to make the perfect music to wake up and drink coffee to. And mm -hmm. so the fact that you're saying that, you know, feels like we we succeeded. So I feel good about that. Very but yeah, good that's for the morning. The morning, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I think playing drums in a band and being in kind of like the indie rock world for a few years i just kind of wanted to have my own thing that i did on the side and i i love electronic music and kind of fell in love with it uh probably six or seven years ago now there was like a, a jamie xx record that came out in color his like solo record and that just kind of made me dive deeper into like what he was sampling and all of those like early Larry LeVan tracks that mm -hmm. he was playing at like Paradise Garage. And um, when I was in uh, living in Nashville, I was working at the store called Wilder and Josh, one of the owners really put me on to like a bunch of that, that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of what I've been listening to like in the background of my life for, for a long time. And so when I finally sat down to make my own music, that was just kind of what came out. And mm. so that kind of like chill, wake up and make coffee and, uh, or walk around the city at night or, or, or drive, drive mm. around the city at night. Um, that was kind of mentally what I was picturing, I guess, when I was making that. So it's cool to hear you say that. <laughs> Where did you used to work at as well? It's, it's this furniture store in Nashville called Wilder. Oh wow! Um, not while there, not the right, restaurant. Right, right. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. How was that like yeah. working at Wilder? Yeah, so it was my first, like, I guess, real job outside of playing music, and so uh, working in retail, I feel like was good for me to just like have something steady and something that um, also in the. Um, kind of vein of, of things that I wanted to learn more about. I was already like appreciator of, but maybe didn't know that much about. So we sold a lot of like cool high-end furniture from like Scandinavian designers and also Herman Miller and Artec and like all these really cool, um, you know, furniture designers that I would see on Tumblr. And then I got to like see it in real life and and sell it to people and learn more about it and so we'd also do like clothing pop-ups and stuff like that too like i remember doing like a men's pop-up where we brought in like han kobenhaven and all these other oh like brain dead as well i think we carried brain dead for a while but i think that was that was cool to be able to be around that stuff mm -hmm. specifically in nashville because there at the time at least there wasn't a lot of that um in the city and so we got to kind of like put people on to like new brands um and uh kind of expose them to this this other world of design which was cool and uh i also just like met a lot of cool people through through working at that store and like i said got to kind of like experience a whole new type of like music and josh putting me on to all of that electronic stuff and we would have cool events where a bunch of like cool musicians who were living in in Nashville would come and hang out. So yeah, it was a really, it was a really a turning point for me because I was, hadn't really had, had a real job like that before. <laughs> and so I, so I feel like it was, it was good for me to have that. Also just being new to Nashville. I think it, it helped me kind of meet people mm -hmm. and gave me sort of an identity. Like when I would go out, people were like, oh yeah, you work at that like cool store in Germantown. 
And so that er, early on, I feel like that was, that was cool for me to kind of like have that ownership of, of that thing. And the owners were also very, very trusting of me to kind of like, I don't know, almost like run that store as like an 18 year old, which is crazy. I did not have the qualifications for that. <laughs> it happens. It happens. They, uh, they, they made me, they made me feel like I was part of their, their family and part of that, that small business, which is, which is really cool. So, and it's great to be exposed to all that amazing furniture design and fashion all at such a young age. I totally. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was stuff that I otherwise wouldn't have really been exposed to. So had I not worked there um, in real life, Tumblr IRL, exactly. And they, they let me like merchandise the space and like stage the windows and stuff like that. So I feel like it was also an outlet for like creativity as well. And like to kind of like flex my, my interior design muscles, you know, <laughs> another games. <laughs> Yeah, another game. It also just like ruined me for the rest of my life because now I only want to buy expensive furniture and I will oh, never go to I... IKEA ever again. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's that's the price of having having expensive taste is like you never want to buy the cheap knockoff version. <laughs> no. Yeah. Human Millar. Human Millar. Is this real? Is this? I don't think this is real. This doesn't seem authenticated. Yeah, you buy this on Canal. Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's so funny. Hats off to you and everything that mm. you do for some Desire Wear Many Hats solutions. Mm. Thank because you. Because you shot the you you've shot like extensive look of catalogs of you know lookbooks and and collections, I would love to collaborate with you in the future and hopefully have you shoot something in tennis or any type of sport, honestly. <laughs> I love how I love how I've become the exclusive <laughs> photographer of tennis. <laughs> you're 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 the unofficial official unofficial official sports photographer of sports our photogra- time. Dude, what's so funny is everyone that I've photographed playing tennis is like intermediate at best. I've never never photographed someone who's like actually good at it. So we're 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 (laughs) we have to cut that swing out. Oh no, don't cut it out. No, 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 no. We have to like this guy's backhand. Yeah, yo, is like no, I see what you're saying. That's that's so funny. Anyway, I just want to be real. I feel like it's important that I'm but I'm transparent. Not to not to put anybody on blast, but no, yeah. you're all on blast. <laughs> Everyone that's listening to this, right? Now. It's so funny. So, at the end of every podcast episode, I ask my guests if you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? Oh my god! As someone who doesn't have any tattoos, this is kind of tough because I wouldn't put anything on my body. <laughs> but if I had to. You're the only drummer that has no tattoos. I, I think that actually is the case. <laughs> and I've wondered if that's affected my my career at all. People don't believe me. I'm not believable enough as a drummer or something. <laughs> um, all right, first, me- first tattoo would be a giant cross on your back. <laughs> a giant cross on my back. That would be cool. Um, <laughs> no, I think there's a, it has to be words, right? A sentence or mm. can it be anything? Okay. Um, give me like two seconds. Edit this part out so it sounds like I have a... <laughs> A really quick, quick answer. Oh, actually, no, I got one. I got one. There's a really good, I think, Lawrence Weiner, the artist, RIP. I got a book of his a while back of just kind of like, I used to like a monograph just like of his work, just kind of covered like his entire career. But there's a really sick photo of a girl with a tattoo that just says sink or swim. Either way, your ass gets wet or something like that. Which <laughs> That's I thought, so which, good. Which then, which then went went on to inspire the, the first song that I put out, "Sink or Swim." So I don't know. I've always just loved that Full that uh, that phrase and that kind of sentiment. So I think I would just leave it at "Sink or Swim," and I would maybe maybe tattoo that across the chest. But never gonna have the whole a, thing in. It is the whole thing would go down like entire torso. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think I think that would be that would be a solid chest tattoo. I think I think that would be my my go to. 
I love it. It's wonderful. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Plug your socials. Where can people find you? Oh, yeah. At Kobe Arner, I think, on everything. Business, inquiries, studio at kobearner.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just plug, plug the whole CV. You got this. Plug the whole CV. <laughs> listen, listen to a, a stream casual ties, stream rebounder. Um, we're about to announce a show next month in New York. Um, so come to that more details soon. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, Colby, for coming on Wear Me Hats. It was great to have you. Thank you, Rashad. Really appreciate it. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Jassar, and I'm Rashad. Peace. Peace.